He's a humble and talented international DJ and producer who travels the world and is the Toronto Raptors official DJ. Today's guest on my Best Life podcast is Four Corners. This is my Best Life podcast with Flavia Abadia. Today's episode is brought to you by Miski Organics. Use the discount code YourGirlFlav at checkout for 15% off your order. Hello and welcome back to My Best Life Podcast. I'm your girl Flavia Abadia and today's guest is Four Corners. He's an international DJ and official DJ for the Toronto Raptors NBA team. So welcome. Thank you for having me, Flav. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey. So tell us a little bit about how you even got into DJing. I... I've told this story a million times. It's hilarious. (laughs) I got into DJing, probably not how most people that are DJs got into DJing. It it was an accident for me. I wasn't, I didn't plan on being a DJ. I didn't aspire to be a DJ. It kind of just happened. Um, The long and short of it is I was into sports. I was into writing. I went to school to be a journalist. And somewhere along the way through a series of events, I ended up not making the varsity basketball team at my university. Uh, I also ended up not really enjoying my program at university. Mm-hmm. And I dropped out trying to figure out, I figured I'm wasting time and money. I'm going to not go to school next year. I'm going to take a year off and figure out what I really want to do. And in that time, I discovered, well, maybe a little bit before that, but I started going to parties and fell in love with club culture and through that fell in love with DJing. I'm like surveying the room and looking at every I was just drawn to the DJ booth. I was looking at everything going on. I didn't really I didn't really drink, so I wasn't at the bar. I danced. I enjoyed dancing, so I was on the dance floor. I was definitely trying to talk to girls and stuff, but then I'm like, okay, I'm over here trying to dance with girls and get their attention. And then the girls are climbing the DJ booth to get to that guy. <laughs> yeah. And then I started paying attention to to them and I'm like, wait, so they're the maestro. They're controlling the the entire room, the mood, everything. Like, they throw on a record, people scream. Like, that's got to feel awesome. And if I'm going to be here, I want to be that guy. So I went home and just started fooling around. My dad actually had, all along, he had two turntables and a really, really crappy mixer. Can I swear? Sure. A shitty mixer. (laughs) Shitty fucking mixer. But it worked. Mm -hmm. And he had two turntables that were not professional grade, mm-hmm. but he had a dope record collection of all the oldies that he'd played for me and for the family throughout the years. And I just took to those and started fooling around with a couple old Michael Jackson and Rick James and Earth, Wind and & Fire records and just would go to the club, watch what they're doing, come home, try to, try to copy it. Go back, watch what they're doing, bought a couple records, came back, let me work with these three records that I have mm-hmm. and try to figure it out. And... I quickly started feeling like I was getting good at it. And that turned into, oh, I heard Kirk has records. We're having a birthday party. You want to play? So I mm-hmm. would DJ this little party and that little party. Then a friend of mine, I got involved. I told him on the low, I've been like trying to figure out how to DJ. His older brother was a DJ at a local club. Okay. So he and I started doing some stuff together and then didn't tell his brother and then brought it to him. He was like, yo, we're DJing now. <laughs> And he's like, whatever, the older brother treatment. Yeah. But eventually he would start giving us a little shot to open up for him at that club. And okay. it just organically grew into something that I was like, you know what? I don't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And here I am. Nice. 
And you've also done some music production. I have. So how did you get into creating music that you play? Again, completely by accident. I think that, I don't know, to me in my life journey, it's been everything that's happened. They say everything happens for a reason. It's Mm -hmm. all been through a series of events. It's never, ever been 10 years from now I want to be doing this. It's always been like, I... This feels good. Let me keep doing this. Oh, I just discovered this. Let me try to do this. Mm-hmm. And let's, And then it turns into something. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should take it seriously. So that's what happened with music production. As a DJ, we're playing everybody's records. And you know I mean, it's, it's the normal thing to do. But I, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I don't know what to say if I got bored with that or I just wanted something more. So I started, like a lot of us do, making my own edits of songs and my own remixes just so I have something unique to play when I play. Mm-hmm. And I actually worked on a couple of records. I put out something with a partner of mine, Joe Ghost. Um, what up, Joe? And later on, like a couple years later, a DJ friend of mine from New York was like, hey, I'm doing a guest DJ set on this BBC radio show. It's a big deal. It's Diplo's radio show. Um, here's a bunch of acapellas and stuff. I'm sending them out to a bunch of my friends that I know do edits and stuff, can you make, see if there's anything in this folder that you like, make an edit, so I can have an exclusive to be played for the first time ever mm-hmm. on this show. So I'm like, of course. So yeah. I'm fooling around with it, and That's then I ended up messing with a record from David Banner called Play, and what started out as an edit started turning into more of a song. Like, I just chopped it up in such a way and added my own percussion and and. I played instruments on it, and it just turned into a song. So when he hit me back, like, yo, do you have an edit? I was like, I kind of have, it's more like a song. Listen to it, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And he listened to it, he's like, holy shit, dude, this is sick. <laughs> we should release this as a song. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, sure. Like, what do you mean? Like, how do you want to do it? Because mm-hmm. it's like fully a sample. Like, I can't, we can't get yeah. this cleared or, or like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, worry, worry, just put it on SoundCloud. So we finished it up, changed the name of it, called it Work instead of Play, ha- had different elements, had his partner add a little percussion on it or whatever, and then we put it out, and I didn't think much of it. I remember going to, I, was, I went to Las Vegas with some friends, and it came out while I was down there, mm-hmm. and he emailed me saying, hey, it's going up at so-and-so hour, three o'clock, whatever. I was like, all right, cool. I'm at the casino, I'm at the pool, I'm chilling, whatever. Then I get back to the hotel, and I was like, you know, let me take a look at this. And it had, like, thousands and thousands of plays. I was like, what? Wow. what is happening? So I hit him up, I was like, yo, dude. And he's like, yeah, yeah, dude. So, I don't know, that went on to get, like, I don't know, close to a million plays on SoundCloud. And then I started getting videos from big DJs like DJ Snake and Skrillex and, like, Dylan Francis. These guys are playing this record. That's so I'm like... Maybe I should take this seriously. And uh, from then, I just kind of started working at it more and um, trying to figure stuff out. And uh, through a series of events last year, I ended up starting my own label because I just want to be able to make the music that I want and put it out Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about, not just on SoundCloud. I want it to be available on Spotify and on Apple Music and whatnot. And I want to put it out when I want to put it out the way I want to put it out as opposed to trying to convince record labels to see my vision. I'm, mm. I'm going to, I do that also. Like there's things that I'm working on to go through the mainstream route. But in the meantime, I have my label that I can, it's my baby that I can do what I want. I can like just beatbox on a record 
and put it out if I want to. We could put this out as a record if I want to. It's my label. Shit, okay. I just do what I want. But I'm just, that's, again, that organically just became that. I never decided I wanted to be a music producer prior. Mm-hmm. I figured out along the way, well, I'm doing this already and it's kind of working out. People kind of like it. I'm having the most amount of fun. Maybe I should take this seriously as well. So that's why, that's how that happened. So have you put out a lot of things on your label? I put out label? two songs so far on my label. Mm-hmm. One is the, the debut single is called Told Me Shake It. Mm-hmm. And I shot a video for that as well. And I'm rapping on that as well. And then I put out another song where I have some vocals on it. It's called Get Down Freak. And those are both out right now on Wrong Angle Records. Uh, check it out on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Music, uh, Title, all that good stuff. And the music video is on YouTube. Yes, it so is. Check it out. And um, yeah, and, and since then as well, I've been asked to do remix a few tracks. So I've remixed a record for my boy DJ Overrule in uh, Portugal. And that song actually ended up going like top 20 in, in Holland. I don't know. Things just happen. Very cool. Um, I put out a record, a remix for Stars Incomplete, which is a trap electronic duo out of North Carolina and L.A. And um, I don't know, a few, other, a few other projects, and I got a lot of stuff in the works, and I'm just mm-hmm. enjoying making music that I want to hear. I, I feel like if you like something and you want something, if you see a hole in the universe and you think that you can fill it, that you should. If you yeah. think that there's... You know what? How come there aren't any jackets like this? I think that it would be cool if there was a jacket like that. Figure out a way to make that jacket, and then you can wear it yourself. And then other people can be like, "Yo, where'd you get that from?" You're like, "Huh." Same thing with music. Same thing with any kind of art. I think. So, where can people see the music and all your projects coming out? Where can they see it? Yeah, or find out about it. Um, well, for sure, social media. I think that's mm-hmm. what you're hinting at. <laughs> social media is the way nowadays to get all the I mean I pretty much get all the information daily that I need about the music business from Instagram from YouTube Mm -hmm. a little bit from Twitter but you can follow me at four corners at number four corners with a K and that's pretty much consistent on anything or just type four corners into Google and you'll find all the stuff okay awesome what has been other career highlights that has happened to you um I mean, music has taken me around the world, which is the biggest highlight to me. I always, when I really started taking this seriously, I looked at the game and I was like, I don't ever want to be considered local. I want to travel the world doing this. And I mean, as far as moments, I've been to some pretty incredible places and I never take the shit for granted. When I, when I go somewhere for the first time or when I play somewhere and I, even just in the middle of my set, sometimes I take a moment and I'm like, wow, I'm in... Shanghai, China, DJing right now, mm-hmm. playing my own song, nonetheless. Yeah, that's like really that's, cool. It's trippy and it's a blessing. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram and Snapchat, and he always puts his stories of like where he's traveling to, and it's really cool. You feel like you're in that country, and you're like, oh, this is what Japan looks like, or this is what China looks like. So you know what? I'm, check that out. I'm a huge fan of Instagram Story and Snapchat in the way that it, it's like you said, it's. It feels realer. It's mm-hmm. like anyone can, I mean, not anyone, but like I can go somewhere and have a professional video shot of it and edited and put music over it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll get a sense of what it was. And it's cool to look at, but it's not as raw and real as, hey, I'm in this restaurant right now and this, this burger is awesome. Yeah. Or like I'm in this club right now and these guys know my song. 
and I'm in Dubai or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the realest thing. Or like that. Look at this weird guy walking down the street. Like you feel like you're actually yeah. being transported to that place if it's done right. And how did you even like go international? So you were building a following here. You were at clubs here. Like where was your first international gig, and how did you go about that? Um, I mean, well, I the way that I figured it out I don't know if this works for everyone but this is the path that worked for me I started in Toronto I figured I need to make a firm I need to create a firm base here Mm -hmm. if I'm going to try to reach out to other places and I say I'm from Toronto if they know anybody in Toronto or if they fact check they they have to hear Four Corners yeah he's dope so I worked on that heavily and then from there I started trying to reach out to promoters across Canada and I the first time I ever flew on a plane to go DJ somewhere, which was a big mm-hmm. deal for me at the time, was Ed- I did a show in Edmonton one night and then the next night in Vancouver. And it went really well and became regulars of those spots and then figured out how to get to other places in Canada. And once I played all the cities in Canada a few times over, I was like, okay, let me see if I can figure something out. And oddly enough, the first international gig I ever had was in Poland. Oh, was not the plan. Didn't even know I'd ever go to Poland. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened through that first gig in Edmonton, a friend of mine, that the, the, the promoter that I was working with was also a DJ. He had a friend that was a DJ that was he was trying to bring up that's Polish from Poland. He had some connections back home and he was able to convince the people in Poland to have me go DJ there. So. Nice. He, I, and a couple other guys went and we did a full tour of Poland as my first international string of gigs. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome. And I loved the culture shock of it. I loved just being so far from home and like the different food and the different crowds and how they, I realized, wow, people all the way in Poland love the same music that we love here in Toronto. And that, from that moment, I was like, I said it while on the trip. I was like, oh, it's too late for me now. I can't not travel anymore. I have to go everywhere now. Like, Mm -hmm. I've seen too much. It's too late. I will never be satisfied DJing only Toronto or only in Canada. So from there, I just kept kept it going, man. I kept making connections and and growing. And Mm -hmm. I think that DJing is one of those things. It's kind of a a referral business in that if you do a good job somewhere, people will talk. Mm -hmm. If you do a good job in the right places, the right people see you, that word spreads far. So how I got my international stuff popping mainly, I think, and I've been told this as well, is Mm -hmm. in Paris. When I got my first gig in Paris, I played at a legendary hip hop club there called Jibus. It's it's not like there anymore, but it was like the spot. I didn't know this. I just like, I was just happy to be in Paris. You just booked it. Yeah, I was just happy to be in Paris. It was booked (laughs) through a friend who hooked it up and I went and smashed it and from then like played at that same club a couple other times and then got booked at a few other clubs in Paris for like subsequent trips and then my European shit just started popping off and I didn't know that it was because of Paris I know now Mm -hmm. the people there if they say you're hot the rest of Europe listens so that was what helped me expand there and then from there I've just been able to finesse a whole bunch of other shit so where have you not okay wait before I get to where you want to go, mm-hmm. what has been your favorite place so far that you've visited? That is a very difficult question to yeah. answer because there's, the world is amazing and everywhere 
there's a lot of places that are dope for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But I still think my favorite place overall, not just the club scene or the parties overall, is Barcelona, Spain. I think okay. it's an incredible city. It has the big city feel, but it still has the laid back European uh, uh, atmosphere and vibe. And the clubs are amazing with filled with locals and with a lot of tourists. So you get both vibes mm-hmm. and the, the weather's amazing. And um, it's super. You can buy beers on the road for a one euro. It's amazing. Yeah, alcohol <laughs> is really cheap in Europe. So, so. cheap. It's like so cheaper cheap. than water almost. It's pretty much the yeah. same thing. Like you can buy a bottle of water or a beer, your choice. Yeah. Same money. It's crazy. So, I mean, I like Japan, Tokyo is incredible. Dubai is incredible. Uh, London is becoming one of my favorites for sure. Uh, even in Canada, Toronto is dope. Vancouver's is amazing. L.A., Miami. Like, I played a lot of really cool places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Barcelona is my favorite. If I were to set up shop anywhere, I think it would be Barcelona. Nice. Okay. Um, and where have you not been that you want to go? I have not been to Australia. I have not been to South America. Like, Brazil in particular is very high on my list. And I've not been to Africa. I've had a couple offers, but they weren't the right offers yet. So I'm holding out to make sure I get the right situation. Mm-hmm. But I really want to play, go to and play South Africa. I really want to go to Morocco. I really want to go to Egypt. And um, I really want to go to like even some places where I don't even know if they have clubs. I just want to go. So yeah. if, if I can book gigs somewhere nearby and go and like end up take, doing a safari in Kenya or like, you know, the Outback Safaris in Australia, like I'm so down. I'm a traveler and I'm a tourist. And if I can do that with the, on the strength of music, that's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. So when you go to a country, do you do all the touristy stuff or do you ask locals like, hey, where should I go? Like what type of traveler are you? Um, I think both. Okay. I think both. I mean, with the the enormous, all-powerful internet, you can find pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. So you can find, of course, I definitely do the touristy stuff. Like, if I go to Paris, I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower, even though I've seen it a million times. You still kind of got to do it because it's like the marker. It's like yeah. coming to Toronto it's and iconic. not seeing the CN Tower or taking or i've never have you gone up the cn tower by the way yeah okay have Have you gone on your own or have you only gone when there's people coming into town to be tourists um when people come into town (laughs) that's for the most part i think i've been there i've dj'd there once which was super awesome okay yeah it was the the at the restaurant or uh no i'm not sure they cleared everything out it was for a great cup the canadian football league which is uh, I mean, I'm not going to say anything good or bad about it. It's not the NFL, though. It's not as okay. big and well-known as the NFL. It's the mm-hmm. Canadian Football League, but they have their annual... Uh, it's like the Super Bowl, our equivalent of that. The Stanley Cup, if it was hockey. <laughs> and they had a party there, and it was super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think I've been up there for dinner once. Okay. And other than that, it's just when people come to town and you got to take them around. Mm-hmm. But so, that said, when I go to other places... Yeah, I do the touristy stuff because I'm a tourist. I'm not Mm -hmm. from there, especially if I'm going somewhere for the first time. Like the first time I went to Paris, it was imperative that I see the Eiffel Tower. And the Louvre and all that. I've only been to the Louvre once, and that was last summer. Okay. Because 
I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know. I just hadn't, I didn't take the time. It's a full day thing. It can be several days yeah. if you want it to be. Yeah. It's big. It's yeah. huge. But generally when I'm on tour, my schedule's pretty tight. So mm-hmm. I'm in a city for a day or two at most, for the most part. But last summer, uh, I was there for three days and I made sure I made time to go check out Miss Mona Lisa and a couple other exhibits. And, nice. Um, Did you like face swap with... <laughs> you know what it was so crowded in that room yeah that it wasn't i didn't really have an opportunity but i got a picture with her so it's cool okay i mean more important than the picture i got to actually go and see this fa- pa- famous painting that i've seen images of my yeah. entire life so that was cool um wish i could touch it they don't let you do that yeah um but i do do i do 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 i really enjoy <laughs> i really enjoy Local living. So what's cool about what I do is because I'm traveling to work and it's the club business, mm-hmm. it's generally young people that are bringing me there and they know what's up and they will take me to stuff. So like, for example, last, whenever it was, I was in Asia just like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The last thing I did in Asia was eat at this really dirty breakfast street spot in Taipei, Taiwan. Okay. Where where we sat down was the entire restaurant looked kind of like a kitchen. Okay. And where we were sitting, there was like mad eggs just like out, like eggs ready to be cooked on a shelf. Okay. Right beside us and like bags of flour and like mm-hmm. everything. Like we were like, it, it felt like we were kind of in the kitchen. Okay. But if we weren't, we we're sitting at tables and it was just like a mom and pop local spot. And it was really good. It was so good. And it would cost... Four of us ate, and it cost probably like seven dollars, seven Canadian dollars total, and we ate. So, like, I love that kind of thing because mm-hmm. as a tourist, you'll never, ever, ever find a spot like that. Yeah. So it's, I think I kind of get the best of both worlds. I enjoy the touristy stuff because mm-hmm. you got to, and then there's always those local things, especially places that I've been to a number of times where I've made friends. I get to know what's really good and where people really go. And I get to go and enjoy that stuff, too. Traveling awesome. is the best. Traveling is the yeah. best. I highly recommend traveling. It, like, opens up your mind. You, like, see how different people live. And, yeah. Yeah. It's really You cool. know. Yeah. I love traveling. <laughs> You've been some places. Yeah. I so, need to go to Colombia, though. Yeah? I was looking at your Instagram <laughs> when you were in Colombia, and that looked yeah. pretty, pretty. I look pretty dope. Yeah, it's it's a nice country. It's yeah, and there's some places I find that don't you don't think that they're tourist friendly per mm-hmm. se, but like for example, that's why I say South America. There's so many places I want to go. A group of my friends, these guys just like to go to random places. And okay. a couple years ago they decided we're going to go to Panama. So they went to Panama City and they said it was one of the best places they'd ever been. And that never crossed my mind to visit Panama as like a tourist that's like go on vacation to Panama. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know who says that. They did and they had the greatest time. So now I now it's high on my list. I got to go. Yeah. And I'm sure there's tons of other places that I'm not thinking of that like and there's places that I've been that I would have never thought to go that are incredible. Like Malaysia for example is dope. And like who the hell goes to Malaysia from Canada just cuz unless you have a real reason like family or something. I don't know many yeah. people that decide. Mm. If you backpack, I guess, Asia, then it's easier to get there. Right. But I don't know. I don't know anybody who's randomly gone to Malaysia. Only people I know that mm-hmm. go there are like are Malaysian. 
mm-hmm. generally. But I went, and it's dope. That's cool. You could just take a globe, spin it, and like literally put your finger on it and see, okay, I'm going to go there. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? And then when you're here, like, do you miss traveling or are you happy you're back? Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I get home, I'm like, oh my God, thank God, my own bed. Mm-hmm. I get to drive my car. Mm-hmm. I get to like have my own routine and it's great. And then a few weeks in, I'm like, I need to go somewhere. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, I've, I've been blessed to be able to dip in and out of the city. You have both. Even during, like, I'm here for the most part during the NBA season because I'm DJing mm-hmm. at the Raptors games. And, but even then, when they go on road trips, I am able to take a little flight out to, you know, maybe somewhere in Canada or maybe even further, depending on how much time I yeah. have. So, for example, this season, we start on October 19th is our first game. We have two games that week. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a stretch of like two and a half weeks where there's no games. So I'm going to do a quick European tour at that time. And then nice. I'll be back right in time for the next game. That's cool. So I, I work on my That's whole really schedule cool. to be able to do that. So I don't really get that feeling of, oh, I need to go somewhere that mm-hmm. much because I always have something pending, which is cool. That's really cool. And how did you even get that gig of like being the DJ for the Toronto Raptors? Uh, again, it was something that organically happened. I was working mm-hmm. with, me and my partner at the time were working a lot with Roots Canada and they threw events at, they used to have this big store in Yorkville and mm-hmm. they used to throw a lot of events there and like high end shindigs, you know, some people. <laughs> One of the finest of people would be there. Yeah. And we were DJing this event that was a wine event. Didn't even, I don't even drink, I drink wine now. I didn't drink wine at the time. Okay. But we're like, whatever, we'll play the music, it's fine. And the VP of marketing for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, which is the company that owns the Toronto Raptors and mm-hmm. Maple Leafs, blah, 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 was there. And she was like, you guys are sick. I love that you're playing all these kinds of music all put together. Nice. Um... Me and my associates were just in Miami, and they have a DJ there at their games. Would you be interested in doing that for the Toronto Raptors? We've been thinking about it, but we're like, well, who? And now I see you. It's meant to be. Are you down? And I was like, yes. I'll think about it. We'll see. (laughs) No, I was like, of course. She gave me her card. We, like, I harassed her to make sure that we got the meeting. We got the meeting. We did, like, a, a mock trial the funny one of the most awkward things i've ever done okay they set up a dj booth in the stadium in the Mm -hmm. empty stadium okay set up a camera in front of us two or three guys in suits standing there watching us and they're like pretend it's full what would you do go so we had to rock like a 15 minute dj set okay pretending the stadium was full for the camera and for these couple people they took that back to the boardroom said yes Okay, wow. That's And that's been it. That's good. Yeah. I guess you have to like put yourself in that mindset at that moment. You have no other option. Yes. I believe like there's a saying that luck is preparation meets opportunity. And we were prepared because this Mm -hmm. is what we've been doing and we wanted it and the opportunity presented ourselves. So we were like, the stadium is full. Let's do this. Yeah. We could have been shy and nervous and not perform the way that we normally yeah. do, and we wouldn't have got the, the gig. So, nah, we were like, no, let's kill this. So we did. And then, and I, got, I don't work with my partner anymore, but I'm still mm-hmm. doing it, and I'm going into season number 13 now. Amazing. With the yeah. So I, don't, I almost don't even remember not doing it. 
So how was it like DJing for the first time in the stadium? It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was absolutely horrifying. It was nerve-wracking. It was mm -hmm. sweat dripping down my brow and my back and in between my toes. And like, I was, I felt like it was all about me. I felt like I was in the spotlight. In hindsight, there's a game going on. It's not that serious. It mm -hmm. is, but like, you know what I mean? In the times when I'm playing, it's all eyes are on me, but I can handle it. I'd been doing it in the clubs already mm -hmm. for a long time, so I knew that I could handle it, but it's just different. To, it's a very, it's a, there's a lot of air in that room. It's a big room. Okay. Like, so is there echo or? Oh, there's a huge echo, but yeah. I have monitor speakers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just in the sense of like, I don't know if you understand the feeling like when you walk into like when you go into an elevator, the air feels different because it's tight. Mm -hmm. When you walk into a stadium, it's like and there's people from like floor to ceiling. Yeah. And it just feels daunting. It feels like you're so small and then I'm supposed to do this thing and be big. So at first it was really tough to like mm -hmm. wrap my head around but once again once I got into doing what it is that I do I got a lot more comfortable with it and now it's not even a thing now now I walk in and it's like this is my house it's cool mm -hmm. completely cool. different yeah the stadium is your house yeah like it's that. like you know it's like honestly I it, I don't I don't know if it sounds cocky or what but like <laughs> it's like when you walk into a place that you DJ all the time whether it be a club or what yeah. or, or a restaurant or whatever it is when you walk in, you're home. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, this is my spot. I remember, I mean, I don't do club residencies really that much anymore, but mm -hmm. I remember certain clubs that I used to play every week. Like, every Saturday I'm at this club. When I walk in, yeah, I know everybody. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, what's up, what's up? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 I set up, and I'm like, yo, this is my house. I curate what happens here. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. You guys don't worry about it. I got this. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel in the stadium now. I've been doing it for over a decade. I walk in there, I know everyone from security guards to the players and everything, and I just walk in and I do what I do. Nice. And it's not its not something to be nervous about anymore. Mm -hmm. So do you ever, like, talk about basketball to the basketball players? Or are <laughs> <laughs> um, you just you know like what? Not, now that I've never really thought, not really, I guess. No, we just, I don't know, not really. Yeah. Not Nothing more than like, yo, good game or that shot you hit was mm -hmm. crazy, but like I don't give them pointers or anything. Oh, like, well, no. You know? <laughs> it's not like that. I talk to like some of the staff and we'll talk mm -hmm. about stuff, but not directly the players. I think that they're pros and they do. It's like yeah. they don't particularly talk to me about DJing or what I should do either. You know what yeah. I mean? But when we do have like events where they're at or whatever, like NBA or Raptors events or whatever, sometimes a couple of them like to come to the DJ booth and like figure out how they or ask me how the equipment works That's or cool. like can i can i scratch a record everybody wants to scratch a record do and, you let them yeah like whatever it's not yeah. a who cares like yeah. you know what i mean it's not a high stakes situation i'm not on yeah it's not life or death or no anything. it's not like, and it's not some crazy big meaningful performance it's just i'm playing music at a cocktail party where mm -hmm. the raptors are mingling with fans or something like that yeah. so like yeah they come up it's part of the experience it's fun mm -hmm. That's cool. So yeah. have you become friends with some of them or? Yeah, over the years I've become friends with a, with a few of them. Um, probably the the tightest that I've been was like, I was pretty tight with Chris Bosch. I used to do, oh, uh, nice. I used to work with his charity and um, used to DJ, like I DJed his birthday party, stuff like that. That's cool. And then um, 
a lesser celebrity popular player, Joey Graham from each user, he played at the same time as Bosch as well. We got like super tight because we did this, um, the NBA used to do this cross Canada three on three tournament, like streetball okay. tournament for kids. And they would send a, a celebrity player or a raptor generally mm-hmm. to speak at each one. And Joey did a few of them and I was DJing at them. And then I would always end up doing clubs in each city and he would come out and we just ended up being cool. Nice. But um, some of the guys, like some of the current guys come out to the clubs now, like the, more of the younger guys, like Norman mm-hmm. Powell, Jacopoto, um, DeLon Wright. You know what I mean, those guys will come out to the clubs and hang out. Mm-hmm. The main guys, like DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, those guys are pretty locked in on probably go to the objective. Right <laughs> but they're also, they're, they have families and stuff. Yeah. So they're at a different point in their life. So. I mean, I think the general perception a lot of people have of NBA players is, yeah, they party, party, party. Honestly, I can speak for my team. These guys Mm -hmm. are about business. You'll see them out every now and then, but they're about business, and that's why the team is doing as well as we're doing because they're here to do a job. Straight up, go Raptors. Yeah. If I I were to see any of them in the club too much, I would get annoyed. I'd be like, what are you doing? You would tell them? Why are you here? (laughs) Why are you here? We have a game tomorrow. What are you doing? Yeah. I can be here. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. You live like a a full life like and and you decide what you want to do, which is I think really that cool. was I think that was always the objective. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I went to university and I wanted to be a journalist and I didn't really let's be I'll be honest with myself, I didn't really want to be a journalist. I was told that I would be good at this because I was good at writing. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew that I wanted to go to university. So therefore, I was like, well, let me follow this path. Yeah. And I learned, I wouldn't say the hard way, but I learned after the fact, that's not the best way to go. To do something because other people say you should do it is not the best way to go. Probably in anything is not the best way to go. So yeah. I, uh, I learned. Luckily, I learned early enough, not before I like finished university and went into a career and then had to switch careers. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that at all for me. I figured it out sooner than that, and therefore I was able to switch gears and find what I truly love and what I'm passionate about. But beyond that, I think it was always the plan for me to work for myself because I'd worked, I've been working odd jobs since I was like 13 years old, and it doesn't it's never felt good to me to work somewhere and have somebody tell me what to do and where to be and what time. And if I wasn't back, if I was back two minutes late for my break, I was in trouble and they were going to write me up in these kind of, like, I think that stuff is so trivial and it doesn't make sense in the real world. So therefore it doesn't Mm -hmm. exist for me. So I wanted to create a situation for myself where I didn't have to deal with that. And self-employment was the thing and I didn't know how, but I figured it out. Was it hard to make that like, transition um not really i mean it was it was a conscious decision i made i remember Mm -hmm. i was working for rogers wireless at the time the cell phone company Mm -hmm. and the way it went down for me is i took i was working there and i was i was working on djing trying to figure it out trying to get on Mm -hmm. so you were already working on your stuff while you had a traditional job yeah sorry i I also after york university i took a year off and then i found a music business school called the harris institute for the arts okay and i went there for a year which taught me a lot about the business and contracts and connecting equipment and like a lot of things like i can hook up equipment for a band with what mm-hmm. I've learned there. I can work a mixing board with Euler. I can write a contract for anything with, with what I've mm-hmm. learned there. And I'm super grateful for that. 
And my mom was super grateful too because I was in school and she was just happy to see yeah. me in school. <laughs> but after that, I started trying to get DJ gigs around the city and whatnot, but I still had to make money, so I had a job. I worked at Rogers. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing both at the time. Okay. And I, ended, I started at Rogers doing eight hours a day. I ended up doing four hours a day and working on music in the rest of the time and just trying to get it to the point where it could be like this so I wouldn't have to go to that place anymore. Mm-hmm. And I took a leave of absence at one point to give myself six months to like really give it a shot. And I realized that in that six months, when it was do or die, I did. When I was at my day job, I was kind of, I kind of had that cushion. Okay. That are like, mm, do I want to get up and do this right now, or do I just want to chill? Yeah, I got a paycheck coming Friday. It's cool. When I didn't have that paycheck coming, I was like, well, it's not a question if what I want to do it or not. If it has to be done, you I'm doing it. You have to do it. Yeah. And then when that six months was over, I went back to work for like two weeks, and I was like, this is that's it for me. And I quit. I never looked back. Was there ever a moment? Because I know sometimes being self-employed can be difficult. Was there ever a moment when you're not doubted yourself, but was like, oh my God, this is difficult. Like, how am I going to make ends meet? Or Hell yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's not easy. How it's, did you get through that? You just keep going. You just mm-hmm. keep going. You, if you believe in what it is that you're doing, this shit will work out. If you believe in what you're doing and you were willing to put in the work, this shit will work out. And I've had mm-hmm. my ups and downs. I've had times when things are lovely and I've had times when things are really tough. And I've had discouraging moments when maybe like certain things that I was doing or contracts that I had fell through or I had this wicked gig and then it got taken away or like for whatever, like all mm-hmm. kinds of ups and downs. And I love it enough and I believe in it enough that I've never, ever wavered i just say on my course and it's it's working out i've never ever i haven't gotten low enough that i've had to actually go get a day job again i've always figured it out mm-hmm. i feel like sometimes if you know what you want you don't know how it's gonna happen but if you just work through it it like figures itself out somehow put it this way for me because i know what i want and i enjoy it so much like i love it so much it's not possible for me to do anything that doesn't feed my soul now that I've tasted this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Is there any advice you'd like to give to anyone listening or watching? Like- um, yeah, I mean, I can't say go find your passion. It's difficult to do. Not everybody mm-hmm. does. But once you have found it, number one, I think you should be open to finding your passion. Mm-hmm. The gem that I gave earlier in terms of not following other people's path. Don't do what people tell you to do because that's what's supposed to be done. Yeah. Or that's the way it's always been done. Like, I don't believe in anything being for everyone. Every person is an individual and you don't have to go to school, get married, have a kid, buy a dog, get a house. You don't have to do that. You Mm -hmm. also don't have to be single forever and party forever and whatever. You don't have to do that. And everything in between, you don't have to do it. You do what it is that you want to do. And as long as you're doing right by yourself and the people around you, who can tell you anything else? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, if you want to figure out, I think we should all find our purpose in life. It's not necessarily even career related. I think it's just whatever it is. Whatever it is that you, when, 
I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for me. Once I found what it is that I feel like I'm on this planet for, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard for me to do anything else. And what I think my purpose is, is number one, spreading love and, and, and entertainment and joy through music. And the other thing that I hope to do while doing this is inspire people to figure out what it is that makes them happy. Like, I'm mm-hmm. the happiest. Like, I enjoy life to the most. I don't enjoy being unhappy, so I don't <laughs> do things that make me unhappy. Yeah. I keep those things away. I, don't, I keep those people away. I stay with the good vibes. Mm-hmm. And I want people to understand that it, you can do that. I'm just a dude. You know what I mean? I'm from here. I didn't come from a rich family or have any kind of social head start. I had like, I started with a handicap, if anything. I was behind the starting line. But I found a way to find happiness and I'm doing what I love and it's for, the, for a living. Mm-hmm. Go figure. That's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And yeah, check out his social media at Four Corners, Four and Corners with a K. And this has been my Best Life Podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, please email us info at mybestlifepodcast.com. And till next time, bye. Peace. <laughs>